everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 619. Purdy, Purdy, and more Purdy. Big Chillians, welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, we're finally, hopefully, back on schedule here after some uh, recording blips. <laughs> yeah, obviously with you traveling and being in some unfamiliar locations and maybe not the strongest Wi-Fi in the world, we uh, hotel Wi-Fi, not what it's made out to be. Not, not what it used to be, I can tell you that much. Well, I think the issue is, is some hotels are really good that they'll give you like the better Wi-Fi, you can like pay for it. Or if you're an elite member or whatever, you can get the better one. But in Europe, it's just free Wi-Fi for anyone in the hotel. And it's just awful. Like the, the Wi-Fi in Hamburg was brutal. Like not only could we barely record, but I could barely watch Hulu on it. It was awful. Oh, poor you. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even watch the Americans. <laughs> oh, dear. How did you survive? I, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's good, obviously, back in familiar territories, get back to our good recording schedule. So listeners, I know there'll be some people, probably some withdrawal, you know, going on, but they'll have us back in back in their lives, back in their ears now. Yeah. And maybe a few years down the road, they can, you know, put in for a special prize to hear one of our lost episodes, which is now we have another. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Once we, you know, when either through Patreon or OnlyFans, whichever direction we decide to go down, we can have the <laughs> what do we play? Files. Do we play the lost files as we're like naked on OnlyFans? <laughs> yeah, that's that will be it. That's how we'll really start just churning, churning the cash from, from the podcast. But yeah, no, uh, obviously good to be back. Always a good reminder just to tell people now that we are back, you know, make sure to subscribe follow us on all of our various social media profiles and, you know, leave us a review. Always helps. Always nice. Yeah. If you enjoy it, even if you don't, we're, we're fine with the negatives, but yeah, it's good to be good to be back talking to you. I had a big night out last night with some <laughs> former, some ex international rugby players. So my, my brain might not be working quite as fast as it, as it usually does. Because you were around them or because you were out late? <laughs> <laughs> out late. Out late, bit of alcohol out late. But I know something that will entertain you, something that reinforced my position in the world, my status in life, my sporting achievements. I know we love to talk oh, about what could I do? What could, you know, what could I have been? What could I do now? How far could I kick a ball? Did you have a you kickoff know? with the rugby players? Did not. We'll try and get that set up. However, so I was in a bar that we both, whenever you're in Paris, we regularly go to. No free ads. Yeah. Don't even say (laughs) It's my local, it's my regular drinking spot. I was there. There were, you know, quite a few, you know, ex-international players, some, I think, five or six World Cup winners. So, you know, quite a, a nice assortment of a former a former rugby players with the World Cup going on and some big matches this weekend. And eventually, the owner of the bar brought me over to introduce me to them. And the first person I was introduced to, 
I was, he said, hey, I'd like you to meet each other. This is John Smith's captain of the 2007 World Cup winning team for South Africa. And this is Eddie, my best client. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I I don't think two CVs have ever had starker contrast. That is so good. Which one do you think has drank more beers because of that intro? The captain of the 2007 (laughs) World Cup winning team or your best client at the bar? It may be close. That might be the only that might be the only thing I get close to him on. He's probably got you beat on more free beers offered. I don't know. I mean, I do pretty well in in that place. It would be, you know, he'd he'd be surprised if we could have that kind of uh, tally on, you know, if you had the sort of life stats that they sometimes discuss, like if you could see how many times you've done certain things. If I could, my tally on on free beers would be fairly high. Uh, I'm I'm glad that's what it was. I was hoping like you walked up to them and was just like. Welcome to my bar, boys. <laughs> like something like that. Like, hey, Prince of Paris, nice to meet you. <laughs> I then, and then literally, as I was then introduced to more of them, as they sort of brought me into other groups and introduced me to other people, the description was this is Eddie. He's the bar's best client. That was, that was it. And then I had to be like, oh, well, and who are, and you are, you know, former international with, you know, a hundred and something appearances for this this team and whatever, yeah. and that was just me, just a consistent drinker. That was... It's like it's like, oh yeah, you think you had a good run? I once came to this bar thirty seven days in a row, and they're not yeah. even open on Sundays. Yeah, yeah <laughs> do that, I buddy. Did, I didn't bring that stat out. I didn't want to humble them, you know. So that that's going to be the second time we see each other. I'll just slip that statistic in. Yeah, that's what it does. Nice. So good night. Yeah, it was good fun. Uh, it was, you know, we went out to another bar afterwards. Now, so were they were they okay with the level of fame having you with them as they went to other bars in Paris? Because I mean, I'm sure they were. You were mobbed when you went to to the other bar that you frequent at, and I'm sure they weren't expecting that level of fame. Were they, they able were to handle it? Well, <laughs> I think they felt a little bit out of place. Okay, I will say this: I at least there was a line. They wouldn't have been able to skip the line. I at least, you know, was able to pull off the they line. They could have killed everyone in the line, but couldn't <laughs> skip it. <laughs> you know, so I at least had that going for me. But yeah, no, I think they, you know, they they eventually got settled in and, you know, understood they were the Prince of Paris. It's uh, nice. You know. Now, let me ask you this. Being someone who is, you know, about an inch shorter than you, would I have felt a little small in this group? You would have felt small with the guys that we went out with afterwards. I mean, height-wise, actually, only a couple of them were very tall. A lot of the players, they weren't all, you know, there were a few. Yeah, I mean, no, you would have been all, you would have been all right. You would have definitely, you would have loved it, I will say, because... <laughs> There would you probably could have arranged a sprint outside the bar at some point, but smoked. in the very least, you could have had some bicep squeezing going on for sure. So, <laughs> Wait, me squeezing there? They're squeezing mine. Probably, <laughs> just, probably just a squeeze off. <laughs> just, just a lot of squeezing. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think 
I think you probably, based on the physical interactions I had, I would have said you would have had some bicep squeezing going on. A lot of like back slapping and like shoulder grabbing. <laughs> a lot of shoulder grabbing, chest slapping, back slapping, chest slapping. Was, <laughs> the chest slapping so weird. <laughs> it's it's a make the chest slap. It's a difficult one too, right? Because you're you are straddling the line with the chest strap of the chest strap, chest slap of being potentially a little bit aggressive. It's you know, even like, like you, a hard movement to do. Yeah. <laughs> like you you got to put your arm in an awkward spot to chest slap someone. But no, as a short king, you would have been all right. You wouldn't You wouldn't have been too out of place. And how was the late night experience? It was good. I mean, I did tell you, you know, I know eventually when this podcast becomes even bigger and we're, you know, Joe Rogan style, you know, getting swarmed everywhere we go and just, you know, the face of face of podcasts. It will might be difficult. <laughs> That's for a us. weird thing, considering <laughs> it's an audio platform. <laughs> yeah, it might be difficult for us to go around, and it does make you sort of not want to be famous, because in the first bar we were in, people were pretty respect. People were coming over and asking for photos, but but you know, like pretty respectful. In the in the second bar we went to, especially as you get into like three, four in the morning, and so you know people are a bit drunker. So the way they approach, there's a lot of instant physical contact which i wouldn't love and there's people like coming up and putting you know wanting a photo and like putting their hand around necks as the photo is being taken again not trying to be aggressive but probably not super enjoyable if you're on the receiving end so i'm sure it's a little different though like when you're a pro athlete because it's probably like look at these little children trying to hang off my neck you know No, but I mean, here's the thing is, because it's the Rugby World Cup going on, so you have, you know, people who, you know, rugby fans, some of them are are big too. So you do have big guys coming up wanting to take a photo, and, you know, it's a little bit, you know, when you're out at, you can definitely see why you'd probably, certainly at a certain status, you know, want the sort of VIP experience because it would just become a little tiresome. And it's also the thing we've spoken about before, right? Which we've we've both experienced when you're around certain people, when you're at that kind of awkward level of fame where people see you have a photo taken with you and then they just want the photo, not necessarily because they know who you are, but because they've just just figured out that you're probably (laughs) famous and they'll just like cover their faces and get the photo taken anyway. That to me is, is the one that's a little bit harder to swallow. It would be funny if we could do that for one of our friends. Like I'm thinking about like the the bachelor, the stag party we have. If we could somehow set it up where like we planted us in a crowd and then like one by one, we kept coming up and like taking a picture with the person and seeing if we could get other people to be like, oh, can I get a picture? with So it's like, oh, who is that? Who's that guy? <laughs> Definitely doable, especially if you're foreign. I think that already makes people it kind yeah. of raises their antenna a little bit once they think oh okay i don't know who this is but they're foreign and people are taking an interest it'd be really easy i bet if if we could do it if it was coordinated when like a london nfl game is i could be like oh this is so and so he's like number one wide receiver for the jags or something like that (laughs) yeah although unfortunately for the guy whose bachelor party we're going on (laughs) maybe not him (laughs) he had to be like the punter God, I just love the punter from the Jags. That no, guy is. It could be, 
Mike McDaniels, the coach of the Dolphins. Head head coach, yes. That you could swing, and that actually would be yeah. sort of impressive. But yeah. But the other thing that did happen, which would have made you laugh too. So obviously there was a moment of just in conversation with a couple of them, you know, re- really, you know, sort of reasonably famous within the rug- within rugby circles. And one guy came up wanting to get photos. This was in the original bar we were in. And I was just standing there and he was, uh, you know, shaking. He shook, started shaking hands with everyone. And they went, oh, you, I, th- I think I recognize you. Like your, your face looks familiar. And I went, no, nah, you don't. <laughs> don't. He's do like, no, no, no. Here, do you drink here often? No, yeah. then you don't. <laughs> He's like, your, your face looks familiar. I, I was close to trying to pull. I mean, do you, are you really into the Big Chill podcast? But I felt like that had a very high risk of just coming off poorly like i might not have been able to land it so just had to say i'm a complete nobody (laughs) that's funny oh man well i think before we got a lot of sports before we get into sports i want to wrap up some of my international travel because i had two things so the first thing is a small one but i was in germany and i had a few beers too many throughout the days and i went to dinner by myself (laughs) Uh, and had a nice burger, and they were like, what do you want to drink? And I said, you know what I want to drink? A nice Coke Zero. And they gave me the Coke Zero in the bottle with the glass with the ice, and I I don't know why, but Coke Zero in Europe is a thousand times better than in the States. And I still like Coke Zero in the States, but it is just so tasty, and it hit the spot so much. Already it's the glass bottle thing, right? It could just be the glass bottle for some reason. The glass bottle is just a, it's an instant sort of 15% boost on Coke. Yeah. Like there's, it's rare that I'm super tempted to have a Coke. The only time where it is like after a a heavy day of, or night of drinking, it's, it's a lot more tempting. But when you do see the glass bottle come out, it, it makes you want it that little bit more. So good. And I'm I'm interested now because you know you're you're coming over soon to go to the Breeders Cup, which maybe we'll have a live podcast there at the Breeders Cup. What you think is done better in the states? That will be interesting. Yes, yeah, I haven't been obviously in a little bit of time, so there'll be almost everything we'll be experiencing again with with fresh eyes. So, yeah, I don't know. Drinks wise, it will be, I've got a few things. I mean, I guess it's tough, right? Because most of the stuff I drink, I probably won't, either wouldn't be different or I probably wouldn't even get in the US. Yeah. So that will be food wise. I don't know if we do a fast food. I know we've discussed doing the the chicken sandwich taste test stuff. That <laughs> might be a little interesting because fast food is significantly different from the US to, to Europe. And then, yeah, we, we can see. We can come up with a list. And again, listeners can maybe throw us some suggestions on on social media as to things we should try out and test of, on our, our little road trip. Yeah. And then the other, the other thing is I got to watch a ton of movies on the plane rides. And I watched Fast X, the 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. That movie has just become like one line cliches 
mixed in with 45 minute action sequences. It is unbelievable. Whoever writes the script is is like at a fifth grade level. <laughs> well, I think they're not, but I think their audience is. They know they know their audience, right? Like uh it's an interesting evolution of a movie franchise because obviously you know like we're both of the age where that original uh fast movie like the fast and the furious or whatever the i mean that was the name of the first one right just the fast fast and the furious was kind of significant right that was it was kind of in that period where those movies were super popular and they've just it's unrecognizable. And I mean, we're, and this is not a, an original yeah. take, right? But those first three, the fact that it's the same franchise is kind of mind-blowing because you've gone from people just street racing, actual sort of somewhat realistic cars to dropping cars out of airplanes and shooting <laughs> them out of submarines and like having them sort of plow through buildings. Yeah. So I wrote down two favorites. This is Dom. The, you know, Vin Diesel Lee character who says, you know, a cop and a street race driver, they drive down the same road long enough and they realize just how similar they are. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the it's, fuck does that even mean? <laughs> it's one of those things that like sounds as if it should be deep and meaningful, but actually is just <laughs> has zero substance. And then, and then, just the back and forth, like the tick for tack of one. There was a fight scene, and the one person goes, "I'd stay down if I were you." And then the person responds, "You gotta hit me harder than that to do that." And then the response back is, "Well, you're gonna regret getting up." And then the response is, "One of us will." <laughs> <laughs> That's all the movie was. It's just like these one-liners back and forth. <laughs> you say this though, right? And. Like our friend Vasilis, who obviously regularly comes up on the podcast, if he heard that line, I mean, he's probably watched every Fast and the Furious movie because it it does feel like it's truly in his wheelhouse. But he would be like, he would think that was an awesome line. Like he would walk out of the movie theater thinking, I hope I get into a street fight and I get told, don't get up, you'll regret it. And I get to say back, one of us will. <laughs> and then I knocked him out. <laughs> Yeah, and it only made seven hundred and fifteen million in the box office. So yeah, it's doing pretty well. As you said, you know my rants about movies these days. They're made for teenagers in China. You know, like it's it's not exactly high quality stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. From a sporting perspective, then where do we kick things off? I mean, obviously, in the lost files, there are lots of topics that we covered that might. You know, we can't really revisit. We discussed the... Well, we can because I don't remember any of them, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. The, C <laughs> the CTE makes it... Every recording is a completely... Starting from a blank slate. But, yeah, I mean, we 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 discovered the little bit of... We discovered, discussed the, the Premier League refereeing, officiating controversy and the Liverpool disallowed goal that should have stood. Uh, I think we can summarize it as me saying Liverpool fans need to grow up, move on, accept the fact that mistakes are made sometimes and stop whining so much and thinking that they're the center of the universe. Yeah. You know? I have to say in almost every Premier League match I've watched since, anytime something went to like a VAR, like every commentator would comment, well, we all got the full audio of that and we can clearly know that this is the right call or something like that. There was always yeah. some comment about it. <laughs> well, I mean, I saw, I watched Spain against Scotland in the World Cup qualifiers on, 
I think it was Thursday night, Wednesday or Thursday. I'm pretty sure it was Thursday. And Spain, when it was nil-nil, oh, yeah. sc- scored a goal that was then disallowed. It was a little bit controversial. But in this instance, I mean, I actually think it was, in the end, he's offside. And, and the debate becomes, is he interfering with play? And, I mean, he is he's obviously sort of impacting the goalkeeper's ability to move. So I think anyone arguing, it comes back. I think if you're on the pitch, you're interfering with play. It's obviously a sort of famous quote anyway. But uh, they weren't helped then. It went to VAR. And originally the the broadcaster said that the goal had been disallowed because of a foul on the goalkeeper, which they were then discussing. It doesn't look like a foul. And then the official sort of report came through that had been disallowed for offside. And then they tried to make it out that this almost as if the VAR had sort of changed why the goal had been disallowed. It's like, no, 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 you guys watched the, you just saw it was disallowed. You watched the replay and you've decided originally that you thought it would have been disallowed for foul. And now you've found out the official (laughs) reasoning was it was offside. You're trying to make it out like this is some confusion from an officiating standpoint, but in actual fact, it was just, you erroneously reporting it originally <laughs> and instead of addressing it and go, Oh, actually, no, it was, it's actually offside. You've decided to try and kind of make it seem as if the referee has made a mistake somehow and they're trying to make up for it. Yeah. And then I think, uh, so what was it? Portugal, Belgium and France were the first three to stamp their ticket to Euro 2024, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, 2024. 2024. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's it is tough. I always get so confusing the, now with the because it was a year off with the, the, yeah the COVID. pandemic year may, has made it really everything well, up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's made everything a little bit more complicated and and that period of when they were using the correct year or when they were yeah. <laughs> updating the year it's it's made everything a little bit harder to follow. I I have to say I had the classic happy but angry moment where I had. Uh, like a two or three day parlay and it ended in Belgium and France, both on a double chance. And I said, you know, should I just take them to win? Like they should win, but still getting some decent odds with a double chance. Let's not risk it. And of course they both win and okay, I won. But then at the same time, like I could have won a good amount more had I been risky, but I know if I'm risky when Belgium goes down a man, and they're up two goals, they definitely let up two to tie it. And I get screwed on that. So it's like one of those things where whenever I am conservative, it'll win. And whenever I get a little ballsy, it always loses. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Because yeah, you you're happy. And then also, right, it's the peace of mind, you know, when you were sitting there and they were winning and you know you've got your sort of double chance, so then you feel super secure, which is a nice position to be in. You know, the sweating out the final few minutes of a match, whilst the win itself might be bigger, is sometimes not the experience yeah. you really want. Like, it, it's kind of nice to be comfortable thinking, oh, they need to score multiple goals for me to, to be losing here now. And yeah, uh, obviously it was NFL. We did some catch-up on a few topics. I don't even, almost impossible for us to go back over those those particular topics. Uh, I guess no major controversies or talking points from the past few days. The Taylor Swift frenzy continues. I'm, I've had Actually, enough of it. I don't know. I thought they were, I thought that, I don't know who, it was Amazon Prime in the States. I yeah. thought they responded 
to the criticism of too much Taylor and definitely showed it less and discussed it a lot less than they had the first two weeks she was in attendance. They definitely discussed it less, but you did still get the ESPN, Taylor Swift is in the building Instagram posts. And they did cut to her a few times in the box next to his mother. But definitely less than than previous. I think the thing that kind of helped is him coming out and saying, look, the NFL needs to calm down on this topic, like Travis Kelsey. Oh, nice, Eddie. Nice. They need to calm down. Good, good tease Swift and put in there, huh? <laughs> well, this is the thing that bothers me about Taylor Swift too, with Taylor Swift fans. They think that any combination of words becomes some kind of reference to a Taylor Swift song. Well, it's, it is. I mean, she, she's got a pretty, you know, big music library. It's hard to string a few sentences together without it being vaguely similar to an out, a, a sort of song she's released at some point. But no, him... I think it's a tough look then for the NFL. I mean, not the NFL, but the the uh, broadcasters covering the games. If after he has come out and said, can you cool it a bit? If yeah. they keep doing it as much, it, it sort of makes them look like dicks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think instead of discussing, because we're already almost a week past the last week of the NFL, we could just talk about the games coming up and kind of discuss. Well, on the Travis Kelsey topic, though, I did kind of, I know we, 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 you know, when the whole pandemic was going on and the vaccine debates, it's not something that we really got involved in on the podcast. Oh, God. But I was fascinated by Aaron Rodgers trying to inviting Travis. Pfizer boy. <laughs> yeah, which he responded to really well. Mr. Pfizer, I think is what he called him. And then, I A, I think Travis Kelsey, I'm not always the biggest Travis Kelsey fan. I think he seems nice, pretty genuine, and kind of entertaining. But there are moments when little, little attention hungry, for sure. But... I thought how he dealt with the the question about, but Aaron Rodgers inviting him to have a debate on the <laughs> on the topic of vaccines, and then in addition to inviting Trev, the fact that we want to see two NFL players debate the vaccines is already outrageous, but the fact that he suggested that Travis Kelsey could have Dr. Fauci as his sort of wingman in this debate makes sense. That would be a, a useful addition. And then in and Aaron Rodgers team tag team mate would be Robert Kennedy Jr. Just <laughs> a debate the world does not need to happen. No. And the fact that he thinks like he genuinely that's not him. He'll play it off eventually because Travis Kelsey just sort of ignored it basically he'll he's probably going to play it off he'll do the classic aaron Rodgers thing where he'll say it was some social experiment and he was trying to expose mainstream media by you know like isn't it crazy that i even suggested that two active nfl players have a debate like this is just me showing how dumb the world is but you know he would have if travis kelsey had said like yeah, let's do it. Let's do it on the Pat McAfee show because that's exa- that's also the place where we let's need to rip our sleeves off and do it on a Pat McAfee show. <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers has jumped the shark. Whatever topic we want to use, he's just insufferable now. Yeah, I mean, you you 
kind of criticized Travis Kelsey for attention seeking, but at least his attention seeking is in like a goofy, I'm an NFL player and I love, I love my life kind of attention seeking, you know, like I have a funny podcast with my brother, whatever. Aaron Rodgers, who is now not even playing and is on a team that like no one even really knows him that well. He spent one training camp with that team. So it's not like he's like, he's a diehard jet, you know, and like he can't be there, but you know, he's rooting. Like he's kind of just floating right now in the NFL where he's not playing. He's not really, a t- he's not on the Packers anymore. So it's not like he can, you know, be the voice of the team he's played his whole life with. And he just needs to be heard for no fucking reason. And it's getting so old. Like the fact that he's still on the Pat McAfee show, who the hell gives a shit what this 39 year old injured player sitting in some fucking place in New York cares. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers thinks. If he were, well, I would care if he were going on the Pat McAfee show to analyze like that would he could be providing some incredible insights right because yeah yeah you're i, I should have, i should said that better i don't care what he thinks about about non-vaccine quarterback related topics <laughs> yes yeah which is the only thing he wants to talk about yeah and i mean which is a valid point right aaron Rodgers is still making the fact that he did not get vaccinated a talking point whereas lamar jackson who also didn't get vaccinated Never an issue. You know why? Because Lamar Jackson doesn't talk about it. Like, it's pretty simple. You know, like, you can just move on if you stop bringing it up. Like, no one is obsessed with the fact that Aaron Rodgers didn't get vaccinated, aside from Aaron Rodgers. Like, he still thinks he has a point to prove. And he just feels now like, he feels like just some contrarian and I can say this as someone who likes to be a contrarian at times, but he's just a contrarian who doesn't have people around him saying no. And so thinks that he can just wade in on every topic and that, you know, his, he's exposing the, the, you know, the hidden truths of the world at every turn. But it's just, it's a shame because like I said, if he were going on the Pat McAfee show or anywhere else and, you know, breaking down, week you know the week's nfl games and giving the perspective of you know a hall of fame quarterback who's prepared to play all of these teams over the past this season and last season and probably you know still involved in the i'm sure he's helping wilson in terms of the preparation he's going through for games he'd be able to provide you with some really incredible insights that pretty much no one else can and instead of doing that he's calling Travis Kelsey, Mr. Pfizer, even though he decided to sign for the team owned by the Johnson and Johnson family. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, if you really care that much about vaccines, you sign for the wrong team in the NFL. (laughs) And yeah, when he's on the Pat McAfee show, I genuinely like, I, he thinks he's on because people want to hear his takes and that McAfee, you know, likes him and everything. I have the feeling that McAfee is just leaning into this and knows that, like, having him on and getting his weird takes is definitely boosting his his podcast fame or whatever. But I genuinely don't think McAfee agrees or really likes Aaron Rodgers that much. Like, I think he just plays it really, really well. Like, I would be not shocked if off air and everything, like, you ran into him one day and been like, 
oh, like, do you hang out with Aaron a lot? Because you get him on the podcast quite often. He's like, no, he's a fucking lunatic, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I bet you, I bet you they probably hang out. Yeah, I mean, at times, not consistently, but just because, again, I think Pat, Pat, and I, I, you have to give Pat McAfee incredible, like, credit for how he managed to go from a position that most people don't really care about and turn that into an, an, a really successful media career. So, But I think he's, he's leaning into it a lot. He's just playing. It's the just persona. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is famous. I can get some clips that will go viral on social media. People are going to discuss it. And it's a, a way of making people tune into the Pat McAfee show. Like it's just because I mean, this sounds stupid to say, right? It's just because Aaron Rodgers is really famous. Like this is, it, 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 I mean, that's where I'd say I agree. If he had, you know, some, he's not getting him on for the content. If some other member of the media was just coming on and spouting exactly the same things as Aaron Rodgers, they just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be interesting. But it's just like, let's just get him on, get him to say some wacko things. The clip will go viral. The people who love it, who are embracing all the conspiracy theories will tune in because they feel like they're, the truth is being spoken on the Pat McAfee show. And the people that hate it will tune in because they'll just want to hate watch Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee. And it works. He wins either way, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess sticking with the NFL, like I said, we won't go through them, but I just have, I guess, one talking point from last week. And that was the Sunday night game that was supposed to be the marquee matchup of the NFC with the Niners versus the Cowboys. I want your honest opinion. Do you think that's how good the Niners are? Or do you think the Cowboys just severely shit the bed? Um, I do think... I mean, we we had in our off podcast discussion. I just think that's a very good matchup for the 49ers. You just have these moments, right? Like, I don't think they have any fear. We've seen them beat the Cowboys multiple times in recent seasons in the playoffs, even when the Cowboys maybe were a better team. So I think now the Niners are definitely better than the Cowboys. It's an excellent matchup for them. They go into it with total confidence. I also think the Cowboys are maybe not. I know they they were your Super Bowl pick. Right. So it's not looking so great for you right now on that no. front. But I think they're probably, I mean, I think for most people, they're not quite as good as we maybe thought they were in terms yeah. of preseason expectations. And There's Diggs being out is huge. Diggs too. being out is big. I mean, I don't think, I do like some people have been like, well, it's Diggs. Is a cornerback really going to shift the game that much? Like, unless he was also going to play quarterback and running back and wide receiver, I don't think he was really going to be the difference maker in that particular game. But it hurts them for sure. And I just think, I think at the moment, the Niners are by far and away the best team in the NFL. The question is if they can stay healthy because McCaffrey. Obviously, he doesn't have that many full seasons under his belt. Kittle. Kittle doesn't. You know, there's some players, people are like, well, Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy had a somewhat fluky injury in a playoff game. It's unlikely that he gets injured again. I mean, he might do in the same way that any quarterback could get hurt with a, a hit, you know, getting hit in the wrong way and getting a leg trapped or whatever. But he doesn't come across as an injury risk, right? Like, it's not like Joe Burrow or someone who feels like it's consistently picking up injuries. But yeah, you've got 
Kittle feels less important, I will say. I mean, he's obviously his from the what he does as a, as a blocker is is useful, and he has games where he gets very heavily involved in the in the as a receiver. But I feel like they could lose Kittle and still pretty much be as good as they are. McCaffrey is the big one. I mean, he's just. You know, I mean, and strangely, I think that game actually hurt his MVP chances. <laughs> yes. A blowout win yeah. against the Cowboys, but he didn't do so well. Not that he didn't yeah. do well, but he didn't have the stats that he normally has. I think that's going to blow his chances. No, I mean, it hurt. It helped Brock Purdy's chances because that was the game that we're, it started to, uh, to have the primetime game where it started to feel a little bit as if well, okay, he is a game manager, but maybe we're not giving him quite the level of credit he deserves. And yeah, Christian McCaffrey is incredible as well, but you know, he's not perfect. He'll make his own mistakes. He might fumble. He will. Not every run is going to be a positive gain. So, yeah, I felt like, and you, that's reflected in the odds, right? Where Brock Purdy's odds have dropped a little bit, and Christian yeah. McCaffrey's went out a little bit. Yeah, and and we did talk on the uh, lost episode about uh, the week before. I forget exactly who it was on the Niners. Kind of gave a shout out to Daniel Jones and said, "How come you were throwing the ball out so quick when we played you? We would have liked some more sacks." And then this week you had George Kittle score a touchdown and pull up his shirt and have a fucked Dallas T-shirt. So I mean, they're quickly becoming the villains of the NFL. I think they love didn't it. love that bit. Didn't love that bit. Didn't love that, huh? <laughs> no, that's not. You know, I'm not a huge fan of. Again, you you know, you got kids and stuff watching, and I do think you kind of set the standard of what what's the behavior. You know, you're going to be copied. So, do you want little kids preparing T-shirts before they play one of their rivals, and you know, pulling it up to say "fuck whoever"? You know, it's not. You can do better, especially again as someone like George Kittle. He's quirky enough as it is. He gets his attention. You know. Everyone respects him as a player. Also, he has his personality. You don't need to be attention-seeking to that degree. Well, when he got skinny arms like that, you need to get some attention somehow, I guess. (laughs) But, I mean, the Brock Purdy discussion is an interesting one, right? And I know, you know, we occasionally discuss Bill Simmons and The Ringer. I'm not a huge fan of actually a lot of ringer sports coverage, not, not to attack uh, another media outlet, but I actually find Fuck you, some cousin of their... Sal. <laughs> no, I like cousin. Sal. Actually, I like cousin Sal too. He's the only one I like. <laughs> I like cousin Sal. I like Ryan Rosillo for the most, I you know, I'm Bill Simmons. I, I enjoy, but it's more like Stephen Ruiz and some of their, some of their uh, staff members who do this sort of, more detailed analysis of sports, which I, and I kind of find them insufferable. They are just committing to the idea that Brock Purdy is really nothing special. And just that that team is so good that basically any quarterback in the NFL would be winning every game. And obviously the team is excellent, but there has to come a moment in time on this one when you're just stringing together wins you're not making catastrophic errors he has nice passes in every game like it, he has undeniably good throws where i don't know why you want to be i guess there's certain people who are just adamant that they're going to be the holdouts the sort of purdy deniers because 
when he does lose a game, when the Niners get knocked out in the playoffs, whenever something goes slightly wrong, they're going to take the credit for being the ones who said, we told you Brock Purdy wasn't good. But I mean, they've had some backlash. They do those like weekly quarterback rankings. A couple weeks ago, they had Brock Purdy 25th. I think it's just two weeks ago in starter out of starters. And the, they had Mac Jones as a better starting quarterback Oof. than Brock Purdy. Now you can tell me that you don't think Brock Purdy is elite, but to tell me he's not at this point, a top 10 NFL quarterback is it's a tough look. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Like the talent level is different, but then the time and I don't want to make these comparisons. The talent level was different for, say, Tom Brady. Not necessarily the most talented quarterback from a sort of skill set perspective, right? But better than... Philip Rivers was more talented than Tom Brady. Tom Brady was a better quarterback. I, I mean, I guess, yeah. It's tough. I think he's a good quarterback. He's definitely moving up my rankings for sure. He's nowhere near in the twenties. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. And I keep comparing him to Alex Smith. When Alex Smith was in his prime, he was probably close to the top five. You know what I mean? Like the only thing that got Alex Smith out of Kansas city was Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback, you know, of this generation. So like he was still very, very good. Yeah. I mean, maybe he wasn't doing what Mahomes did, but he still won games at the end of the day. That's what the, the goal is to win games, but it, you do get a feel of a little bit of a game management with him. I mean, for instance, he's only had one game with over 30 pass attempts. And in today's NFL, that's pretty rare to see that. And that's against right, the but, Giants when they were dominating. Like, I don't even know why he was throwing the ball that much against the Giants. But that's also just Shanahan too, right? Like you have to, there's the game manager discussion, but there's also he, Shanahan loves the run. He has a team built to run the ball, not just because of McCaffrey, but because of everything they do in terms of the creativity and their blocking schemes. And then also their ability to, I mean, you basically have in for every snap of the ball, they basically have five potential threats to run the ball. But I mean, I guess then, then how, like if you're a run first team, it's because you have the tools to run better than to pass. No, I think that's because Shanahan is a run first coach. I think you could put you could put Patrick Mahomes on the 49ers. Shanahan's still gonna be running the ball more than he throws it. Just because that's just in his DNA. Right. I think he thinks that's how you win NFL games. Like it's the most it kind of goes back to that sort of like Southgate discussion with the England football team of a coach who in his ingrained in his DNA is the belief that there's a, a smarter way to win a you know a sporting contest and for Shanahan he thinks it's running the ball he thinks that's safer he thinks you can dominate time of possession you can sort of really take the will out of your opponent more efficiently it's safer there's less chances of a turnover I just think I think no matter who you put on that team he would build a team over time to run the ball in terms of offensive line running backs fullbacks wide receivers he would want to tight ends he'd want to have but as I said, I think even if Patrick Mahomes' number of attempts would drop off significantly if he were playing for the 49ers. Also, yeah, the but, other thing, I mean, too, cause, is... Because the role is you're just managing because you're a run-first team and you, just, you manage the offense. <laughs> here's the difference, though. 
and I mean this very genuinely, like Alex Smith, especially in his time at the 49ers, was a, ma- a game manager. He was safe, check down, non-explosive plays. Brock, he didn't really make many spectacular throws. You know, if you take out basically the 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 and the playoff game against the Saints, really no highlights to speak of during his time with the 49ers. He played in a playoff game where they didn't have a completion to a wide receiver. Brock Purdy won't have that. And he'll make some over the course of every game, he makes two or three elite throws. And I don't think you would have said the same, even in his prime about Alex Smith. You'd have said, hey, he's effective, no turnovers, reads the defense well, makes the smart play. Brock Purdy's doing all of that. But you do have to throw in every once in a while, just be like, oh, well, that was a, actually a great throw, like undeniably great throw. And it great would be more... six yard out. Look at that. No, <laughs> but I mean, he's, he has... he's not in the top five in throws over 20 yards. He's not in the top 10 over throws over 40 yards. And his longest throw of this season isn't even the top 30. Again, it's it's their <laughs> offense. And that's not an, it's not an, people have to separate. It's not because they see a limitation in him. It's because they think that's the best way to win games. Yeah, I, I agree. But then, like, I don't think you can say he's an elite quarterback if you're not seeing, like, elite abilities yet. But I think, I think you are seeing elite abilities in terms of the reads that he's making in terms of, okay, he's got lucky. We've discussed it. He's had a couple games where there were some drop passes that should have been interceptions, and that would have maybe changed how his season so far looked, not in terms of win outcomes, but in terms of from a statistical perspective. But I just think, you know, he does enough over the course of every game. He has highlights from every game that if instead that was Justin Herbert – you'd be creaming yourself. You'd be like, you'd be sending me the clip of the throw being like, Oh, you don't think you think, uh, you think this guy isn't special, but because it's Brock Purdy, it's like people have, they come into every game with this preconceived notion that it's just a super talented team and he's just a game manager. And so they overlook the quality of either the read or the throw. And I mean, the question I would ask you or anyone, how many games in a row does he have to win? before he would be an elite quarterback. Because there has to be a tipping point at some moment. If he wins 90 NFL games in a row, you know what I mean? Like there has to be a moment when, give me the number, when he would have to be, uh, it would be undeniable that he is in some way elite. And again, I don't think he's elite yet. It's too, he's too early in his career to kind of be elite anyway, no matter who he was. Even if he'd been the number one overall pick and come in, you know, like Trevor Lawrence style in terms, you can't be elite after two seasons but i think what i i i think he is not i don't think just winning games makes you an elite quarterback i think you have to do things on the field that make your team win the game there has not been one game this season or in his career so far that i could almost think and point to like oh man you know why they won that game because Brock Purdy had that elite throw 50-yard dime for the game-winning touchdown, or he did this or did that. And, and at the same time, 
I would put him like I think elite to be an elite quarterback, it's winning and you being the reason the team is winning and you doing things that no one else in the NFL can do. I think he would be that tier right below it where, yes, he is a great NFL quarterback who is winning games. He's not losing. He's not throwing interceptions. And that, I think, is his best attribute right now is he doesn't turn the ball over. He makes good plays. I, I agree with you. He does make some really nice throws. But you cannot tell me, like, they're winning the game because of Brock Purdy. They're winning the game because of Shanahan and and that offense is just an unstoppable design of an offense. You say this, right? But we get to compare him to a, a kind of middle of the road. And then the X factor in terms of doing the Purdy versus Garoppolo analysis is the Christian McCaffrey effect, because that obviously took this offense to a different level. And we, we didn't get to see really, you know, the Garoppolo versus Purdy comparison there. But we got to see what this Niners offense looked like with, I'd say, an average NFL quarterback who pretty much is a game manager. I think most people would say who, as you say, probably doesn't win you games, but doesn't lose them very often. We got to see what that offense looked like under, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. They are significantly better now. And you are probably bringing up statistics to try and sh- to try and compare and contrast what was their offense like in the Garoppolo era versus now. And again, it's not a totally fair comparison because the Bur- the Brock Purdy era is also the Christian McCaffrey era, and that's a significant improvement there. But just from an eye test perspe- perspective, give me all the statistics in the world, but the eye test matters still sometimes. As someone who has watched every 49ers game pretty much over the last however many years, this team is so much better with Brock Purdy than they were with Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I get to see, like, what does this Shanahan offense, what does most of this, most of these components look like with an average NFL quarterback? And okay, they're better now. So he's another, he's definitely above average. Your definition of elite, I'm not sure I'm going to totally accept it in terms of you have to be the reason all the time, like you have to be the reason they're winning games or you have to be doing something that you don't think any other NFL quarterback can do because then that would mean then my list of elite becomes maybe one quarterback, right? Like there's how many yeah. quarterbacks in the NFL do things that I don't think any other quarterback can do. It's probably only. This is coming Mahal. from the guy who has the toughest lists and rankings out of anyone. And now you're going to say that you have many quarterbacks in the elite category. I would think you would potentially even be like, I don't think there's even an elite quarterback in the NFL <laughs> right now. <laughs> I think there's probably four elite quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I don't even know if there's four. I mean, <laughs> Mahomes undeniably, right? Yeah. I think Josh Allen, you'd say, is elite. I think Josh Allen would be a borderline elite just because we've seen many times in big games he has not come through. It's interesting, right? So, I mean, winning is, at times for you, winning is the the deciding factor, but then it's not the deciding factor. No, I think it's a combo of you have to, I agree, you have to win, but you also have to do well. Is is Jalen Hurts elite? 
No, not yet. But he kind of meets, he does things. I think Jalen Hurts is closer to being elite than Brock Purdy is at this point in time. At this point in time. Yeah, I mean, probably, yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't, is Lamar Jackson elite? No. I mean, that's a tough one, though. He does things no other quarterback can do. He's He single-handedly wins them games at times. They just fucking lost to the pathetic Pittsburgh Steelers, Eddie. <laughs> well, I mean, the Chiefs lost to the Lions. The Chiefs haven't been super imp- – the Chiefs have nearly lost games, other games this season. They've not been super impressive. So does Mahomes become unelite at some point if they lose a couple of games? You know, No, like- Mahomes is throwing to you and me on Thursday nights now at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> See, this is again. This is it's 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 no, but you can't go off like a week four and a week three. But like, no, I I, well, I think I also agree with you. It's a little too early to say Brock Purdy is elite after you know a season and a half. Not even I guess he's in a full season now, right? Almost. Yeah, basically a full season. If you throw in playoff games, I guess yeah, yeah, he's eh, full season. He has a his body of work is. Now is Caleb Williams an elite NFL quarterback? Yes, but that's different. <laughs> this is going to be the test. Caleb Williams is going to win his the opening game of next season. He's not even going to win. He's going to have 350 passing yards in a 40 to 24 loss in week one. And we're going to have to listen to you being like, oh my God, generational talent. Who else can do what Caleb Williams does? I, would, I, could, and <laughs> I like when people put together like the funny – like compilations on YouTube and stuff. I would like to see like Brock Purdy's highlight reel. And it's like one 25 yard pass to Kittle. And then just, and then that's it. <laughs> so again, he makes really nice throws. I, I honestly, I think people are being so heavily influenced by the narrative, by what his draft pick was, by the fact that he obviously wasn't in the original plans. Like there was a very good chance he never plays an NFL, you know, a meaningful NFL snap had it not been for injuries. But I, I don't want to do the Tom Brady comparisons in that I do not think Brock Purdy is going to be as good as, Brock, as Tom Brady or as successful. I'm not trying to like do that. But at the same time with Tom Brady, there, there came a moment where we had to go from like, this is the guy who couldn't even be the outright starter at Michigan to this is, you know, this is the guy who was the fourth quarterback on the roster in preseason. This is the guy who wouldn't be playing had it not been for a catastrophic injury to a starting quarterback in a game. To like, oh, no, this guy is maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. Okay, he's the best quarterback of all time. Like, there has to be a progression at some point, and it feels like I understand it. And you're right in pointing out that with me, I would norm- I prefer to be cautious, negative. But it feels like the lag and latency on shifting the narrative with Brock Purdy is taking longer than it should do. There are still people who I think genuinely think He's not really a NFL starter that the, like the Niners are just waiting for, you know, someone else to come along that they'll plug in. That ship has sailed. Yeah. Like, that's, is... that's a huge spectrum difference though. Like I, I am not that insane. I'm not saying you are, <laughs> and I'm not trying to straw man you by being like, people are saying, but you know, I can point to the ringer rankings that have him 25th that have like Mac Jones is a better Mac Jones. Isn't even going to be in the NFL next season. Mac Jones <laughs> and, shouldn't be in the NFL right now. And yet we're having, you know, like come the end of the season, Mac Jones might be a free agent and Brock Purdy might be a Super Bowl MVP. Mac Jones has cost Bill Belichick his job that he's had for 20 plus years in New England. 
<laughs> Maybe that's why he deserves to be higher on the rankings. That's an elite. That's an elite achievement. Yeah. He's single-handedly ruining the reputation of the greatest NFL coach of all time. Yeah. Anyway, we can move on from the Niners Nation discussion and the Brock Purdy analysis and get on to some some other NFL-related topics. Well, we can go through some of the games that are coming up. Um, not a good slate of NFL games this week, really. A lot yeah. of, like, mid-level. I mean, I think the highlight of the week, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, but could be the Niners against the Browns because this is another quote-unquote test for the Niners playing the Browns, which are a very good defense. Miles Garrett, who's a constant threat. Um, I would say, here, here's what I'm going to say. I don't see it. I think the Niners are a much better team than the Browns, but we're going to get one of my most hated things where we're going to get a 1 o'clock Sunday game in a stadium that is going to be a downpour of rain and it's going to be a mud bowl. And it could be one of those games where people are like, oh, see, the Niners, not as good as everyone thought when they play in a mud bowl where you can't even move the ball. Like it's going to be a complete overreaction, even if they do win. I mean, I do agree on paper. This should have been a really interesting matchup Deshaun Watson's out though. Obviously Nick Chubb is out for the season. If this, if this were a Browns team that had Watson and Chubb starting, then this would be a very interesting test, especially as you're right. If the conditions are really testing, then that suits the Browns like in their run heavy game. It would have been the matchup of two very good defenses who want to run the ball down each other's throats in testing conditions, which would have been a, a, a fun matchup to watch in that respect of like, which you're kind of trying to do the same things, which one of you can do it better. But now it's a backup running back and a backup quarterback against arguably the best team in football. I'd be very surprised if the 49ers lose this. Like we've been denied what should have been a very and look, you're right. Still, that's a the the Browns have an elite defense. It's going to test the Niners. It's going to test Brock Purdy. But then again, they're probably just going to hand the ball off a lot, and the Niners will win thirty-five to ten. And you'll tell me it doesn't like Brock Purdy doesn't matter. You know, like it's, it's so because you'll point to the fact that he only had two hundred and twenty yards. You know, this this QBR wasn't as high as yeah. you know. It was eleven the, for eighteen passing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so it's not gonna it's not gonna matter, I guess. But yeah, I'd be very given the circumstances with the Browns, it would be it would be one of the bigger shocks of the of the week. I would say now, which a couple of weeks ago you wouldn't have said. You would have said this is going to be a, a an interesting test. Yeah. I mean, other than that, you have the Monday night game is a little interesting because you have Cowboys Chargers. So you have Cowboys who kind of need to get back on track after getting dismantled and the Chargers who are making their playoff Super Bowl push right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like that game will, again, it's so early in the season, you can't draw strong conclusions from single matchups, but it does feel a little bit like the credentials of one of those teams will be significantly downgraded. Like whoever loses that game, it's going to be tough to take seriously as, wow, they're going to be dangerous in the playoffs. Like if the Chargers lose that, how can we possibly consider them Super Bowl contenders? And the same if the Cowboys now lose this after being dismantled by the 49ers, 
you'd, you'd also say it's a tough it's going to be tough to say you can think they can win multiple playoff games. And I guess I don't know how many Detroit listeners we have, Eddie, but maybe they're yelling at me a little bit saying, how about the four and one Detroit Lions against the three and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers? How's that not the matchup of the week? And I'll respond by saying it's the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> to me, it's just I don't think the Tampa, I don't think the Buccaneers are that good. Yeah. So that's the that's the part of it that makes it. I mean, they, they've beaten the Vikings and the Bears. And they beat the Saints, though. I mean, that's a big win. Big. I, 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 yeah. How you define big might be interesting there. But yeah, I, look, they've beaten, they've beaten the middle of the road NFL teams. They've pushed themselves from, again, I think if we kind of did a market correction on preseason expectations to how good they are now, they've gone from most people would have thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL to... They are a, a, an, a slightly above average NFL team who I guess could make the playoffs because of their division. But then I think stand absolutely no chance of winning a playoff game. <laughs> and then another primetime game I have to sit through in agony as the Bills <laughs> play the Giants on Sunday night. It just why do they do this to me? <laughs> it's unfair to Daniel Jones at this point. We're gonna get I don't know why we discussed it before. The 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 Giants seem to just I, I I cannot their like war room, draft room, I think one of the sort of characteristics they obviously look for in quarterbacks when they're drafting them is like must look goofy in a helmet. Because Daniel Jones is following very strongly on the heels of Eli Manning in that respect. And I then feel sorry for him because you know there's going to be an interception or they're just going to be getting blown out by the Bills. And they're going to do the like slow-mo zoom in on just his slightly confused eyes peeping through his kind of like odd-looking face in his helmet. And I don't mean that he's not an odd-looking guy, really. It's just... Certain people like in a helmet. The face in the helmet doesn't look great. Eli Manning was the same. Like Eli Manning is not a weird looking guy, but he looked weird in his helmet. And I feel sorry for Daniel Jones. Like you just know if you're him, you got to be going into this thinking, fuck, Instagram on Monday is going to have a lot of pictures and videos of me looking kind of stupid. And again, I think it's unfair. I don't think he's as bad as this team is currently making him look like he wasn't as good as maybe some people thought he was sort of a year ago when things started to go well for the, the giants. And all of a sudden there were people like, maybe, maybe Daniel Jones is like a top eight NFL quarterback. He's not that good, but he's also not as bad as he's not Mac Jones bad. No, but he's not, he's not Brock birdie. <laughs> no, but few people are. I mean, like, just sometimes when, you, like, uh, for instance, ESPN, you can click and see, like, the player matchups and things like that. It, it is astonishing. So passing yards, Josh Allen almost has double the amount of yards as Daniel Jones, only five games, five games now into this season. Daniel Jones has two passing touchdowns. Josh Allen has 11. It's <laughs> like, insane. The leading rusher for the Giants is Daniel Jones. <laughs> 
Receiving yards is Darren Waller with 230 yards receiving in five fucking games. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. no, what I a mean, great they, signing, they... Darren Waller. <laughs> well, again, it's probably not his fault, right? I mean, the, the team's just not good. No, I mean, that's good yeah. for a tight end, like right now. Like, yeah, I think that's bad. top five for a yeah. tight end. But, like, when that's your leading receiver, it's. Yeah, I mean, oh. There's slight warning signs every anytime your tight end is your leading receiver. Unless with, you're the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, yeah, with a couple of but even then for the Chiefs, sometimes it's like, ah, this is it's kind of as good as Kelsey is and as good as the connection is between Mahomes and Kelsey, it's also how much he has to rely on Kelsey <laughs> at the moment is an indication of the lack of quality elsewhere, right? Because even in past seasons, you might have been like, okay, Kelsey's going to have the most receptions for sure on the Chiefs, but Tyreek Hill's going to end up with more yards and, you know, like whatever. And the fact that at the moment, it's like, well, yeah, Kelsey has to get 120 receiving yards in order for this Chiefs offense to look pretty good. Again, it's it's not a great indication. Uh, Daniel Jones shouldn't be too worried this week, though, because only four of his five starting linemen are potentially out. So <laughs> you got, well, one of them, you know, that's all you need. And look, at some point they're going to get some weird win. This is the other thing, right? Well, they have because one win. <laughs> no, I know, but you know what I mean? There's going to be like the bills are going to have a really bad performance and it's going to, but it seems just unfair to keep putting him in prime time with this garbage team. Can they get flex it. a, them out? <laughs> you think I get it that they were a big market. And they were supposed to be decent. Yeah. But how on earth they get selected for this many primetime games? Like, it's just, it's unfair to them. It's unfair to the NFL viewing public. Uh, and you're right. I mean, who, who else, which other game would I have chosen to be primetime? I would have rather, like, Seattle-Cincinnati is a better game. Yeah. It's a, it's a much more interesting matchup, too. I would have rather Vikings-Bears. It's a primetime game. No, no. That <laughs> they, I can't they would, watch. It's going to deliver more entertainment. At least you got Josh Allen and Diggs in primetime. I, I mean, it's hard to make the case for any game being a worse primetime game. I mean, not just because they are by far and away the heaviest favorites, but just. At, know, least, kind of at least we won't know they won't get flexed into any more primetime games later in the year. <laughs> well, no, because we'll probably get unlucky and they'll just end up being in like a crucial playoff game for the other team. <laughs> so we're going to end up having to watch the Giants in the primetime like week 16 game just because of what the other team needs. It's just un- like now looking back, I'm already a little disappointed that they eked out that game against the Cardinals because I'd be happier if they were 0 and 5 right now than being 1 and 4. Yeah, it's cuz you want Caleb Williams. Yeah, which I don't which I still don't understand how that's going to be possible with the contract they gave Jones. Like it it's going to be difficult to even get him. Like I understand everyone wants the Giants now to tank like I on all my like giant things that pop up on Instagram. It's already like like how hard do we really even have to tank to get Caleb Williams? You know, like because I mean they only have left in this season three winnable, four four winnable games, and that's both against the Commanders, the Raiders, and the Jets, and actually the Patriots, I guess. 
So they have five winnable games. You think they win two out of those. They end the year on three wins. That might be too many. <laughs> that might knock you out of the Caleb Williams pick. Well, yeah, aside from the fact, right, that Caleb Williams is threatening to... But he'll I mean, play for he, the Giants. Yeah, for, for whatever reason, they've made it... Made it's it, New York. It, it, yeah, it shows what his priority is, which yeah, is make as much by money me. as possible. I, I don't know if that's what you want out of a quarterback. But for, for listeners who are unaware, he basically said he can make more money from his NIL deals than he can as in his rookie year as an NFL quarterback anyway. So if he's not going to go to the list of teams that he has decided he wants to play for, then he will just stay in college for another year, make more money, and wait for 12 months down the line to try and uh, kind of land in a more favorable spot. Which we discussed. There is some truth to that with that first year. Yes, he's probably going to make more with the NIL, but you're signing a long-term contract where you'll get more money guaranteed by the end of that. Whereas if he goes back to college, makes 6 million, 5 million, I think he's making right now in NIL deals, but then gets hurt and never plays in the NFL. It's a net loss. Right. And also the other thing too, right? All of those NIL deals, which are, you know, sponsorship deals and whatever, he can sign those in the NFL too. Like it's as if, it's not as if he gets locked into a situation where his only source of income in the NFL is going to be the salary that the team pays him. So it's a little bit, okay, you can get all of those endorsement deals and you can have your NFL salary. I, I understand. I just think it's sort of stupid. We've seen with the NFL, like, if you a if you think you're that much of a game changing quarterback, you're gonna instantly like. Would he have put the Kansas City Chiefs on his list ten years ago? Probably not. But now, of course, he'd want to play for the Chiefs. Like you, it's hard to you can think too short term in the NFL in terms of where you want to be. There's lots of teams that you know over the course of five or six years with an elite quarterback suddenly become incredibly desirable locations to play in. And then, you know, so if you're that confident in your own abilities and go and make a team good, but the one thing, I mean, this isn't a draft with only one quarterback in it either, right? So this is a great QB draft class. This is going to be like one of the better ones since the Burrow year. So yeah, if you're the, if you're the, you know, the Giants, as long as you have a top six pick, you're probably going to have the chance to get a quarterback. But I mean, look, I'm looking at it at a, a NFL mock draft from three days ago. Has the Giants picking sixth and taking a wide receiver? So there you go. They're going to fix their receiving options. <laughs> Problem solved. Welcome to the welcome to the NFL, Keon Coleman, who is just going to radically overhaul the Giants' offense through I don't know nine thousand yard receiving seasons. What would they need out of him? <laughs> God damn. I don't know. But yeah, it, it, it is going to be a good QB draft class. I mean, I'm already all in on Caleb Williams, but I mean, you still have Drake May, who looks great. Uh, Michael Penix, who actually looks really, really good. I've watched him now for four years uh, go through Indiana and now at Washington. He's done really well. And then you've got old reliable Bo Nix, who seems to be in college for 14 years now. <laughs> yeah. Quinn, Quinn Ewers from Texas as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good too. All right. What other uh, NFL related 
topics are there? As I said, it's not a week of... I mean, I guess that Seattle Bengals game, probably the matchup of the week, just because... A lot riding on it. Yeah. Like, if the Bengals lose that one, I do feel like people have overreacted to them winning last week. And like, oh, the Bengals are back. Like, this is a tough test for them against Seattle. I don't know why... Beating the Cardinals? (laughs) Yeah, like... Yeah, no, but it it is literally people are like, oh, yeah, here we go. They're back. I actually think it's more reflective of the fact that the Cardinals are probably going to get closer to being worse. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I got, the, the Bengals are three-point favorites for that game, and I don't think they should be. Like, that's... I think Seattle are the better team. Like, I don't... I don't really know what we've seen from the Bengals so far this season to think that they should be favorites against really any other playoff team. I yeah. think at this point, you... They should be underdogs against any team you think is a legitimate playoff, you know. And Seattle, I mean, Seattle has that quality win against the Lions, or the Lions' only loss this year, you know. And that's that's a good win. I think I think that's a solid win. And I mean, yes, they beat the Giants, and I think what the Panthers um, are the other win. But like, okay, who have the Bengals beaten? (laughs) Yeah, Bengals got dismantled by the Tennessee Titans, and Tennessee Titans stink. (laughs) <laughs> the Bengals have looked really bad sometimes. And if you just, I know it sounds stupid, if you just throw out that week one result for Seattle, which of all the weeks you want to throw out a game, week one is the one you can dismiss yeah. the most easily, right? Uh, I think, you know, they've, they look, they have looked as good, going back to kind of adjusting preseason expectations, they have looked as good as most people expected them to be, which is, you know, a top eight NFL team and I see nothing from the Bengals to think that they well, are a top. I mean, they just seem like an average NFL team at this point. I, I mean, I think the one thing I saw is that Joe Burrow looked a lot more Joe Burrow like, and, and I don't mean that just cause he's playing the Cardinals. He was definitely moving around a lot more in the pocket. He was like, kind of like getting outside, using his feet to, to get some extra time to get chase downfield. So maybe he's, back now and better and closer to a hundred percent. And that could be what kind of puts them up back closer to the tier of the better NFL teams. I, I don't know. Like it, it, he definitely looked better. He was moving more like he wasn't just standing there. So, yeah. but again, it's the Cardinals. So it's really tough to tell. This will be I think, yeah. a good test. This is a good defense. And good edge rushers. Yeah. I mean they're going they're going to expose some of the weaknesses that we know that the good corners. Uh, yeah, we we it feels like a bad matchup for the Bengals, but it feels like we say that almost every week with the Bengals, which is an indication that they're just not that good. Because at a certain point when every team playing you is a bad matchup, you're just not a good team. Like it's, you know. I got one I want to bring up. All right. And it is, the more I think about this, this is why I hate fantasy football, is that fantasy football makes players appear better than they are. And the prime example so far, I think, in the past two years has been Justin Fields, where last year you and I watched 
probably more Justin Fields than we should have watched. And the takeaway was he's not very good. But there was so much hype and optimism about Justin Fields going into this year. And I think solely because people saw, oh, my God, he's a fantasy monster. Like, look at all these numbers he puts up. Look at these stats. But he was not very good last year. Like, if you watch a game, you cannot tell me he was a good quarterback. And then this year, he is awful to start the year. But now he had two games where he put up great fantasy numbers, and already you're seeing the, oh, this is what happens when you let Justin Fields just do what he does. Look how much better he is. He doesn't look that much better. He played a shit team and had one good game against possibly the worst defense in NFL history. And his other game was a loss that he threw, I think, like two or three interceptions or like three turnovers. Like just because he puts up good fantasy numbers does not mean he's good. And I hate that's what I hate about fantasy football is people don't fucking watch games. They just look at the numbers a lot of times and they don't know what they're like looking at. Yeah. And also he's done a good enough job of occasionally delivering in primetime. The sort of reverse Daniel Jones in a sense where a lot of people will not be watching Bears games on a weekly basis, but will tune in to that Thursday night game against Washington and the takeaway being, wow, Justin Fields is really good. And he does that just enough to keep people believing that he's better than he is. And I think also what people struggle to accept, you can be a pretty average NFL quarterback. I think he's a slightly below based on the quality of starters in the NFL at the moment. But even if you're average, you're going to occasionally have a really good game. Like being an average NFL quarterback doesn't mean that you just pencil in every week, like uh, 15 for 30 for, you know, 220 yards and uh, two interceptions. Like you're going to have great performances maybe twice a season, but that's not what makes you great. It's the fact that you, you know, you can't do it on a consistent basis. So yeah, Justin Fields by the end, between now and the end of the season, he's probably gonna have one or two really good performances. Yeah. I mean, so the last game against the Commanders, he was 282 for four touchdowns. Great fantasy numbers. You look at it, he was 15 for 30. You are not a good NFL quarterback with a 50% completion rating. I'm sorry that you you are not going to be lasting in the NFL with 50% completion. It just won't happen. Yeah. No, I agree with you. But yeah, for people, for whatever reason... I mean, also just the Bears, right? People convince themselves that the Bears aren't quite as bad as they are. They're they're not good. They're, they're one they're and four. One, <laughs> yeah, like one of the worst. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. But for some reason, people think that there's potential there that just hasn't quite been unearthed yet. And it's like, I mean, like as again going back to the Caleb Williams discussion. I mean, sure, maybe three years from now the Bears will be good because. If you do keep drafting pretty high and bringing in more talent, you can turn things around. But that's not going to legitimize the thought that right now they're good. If you see what I mean, like the Bears being a playoff team in 2026 doesn't mean that they were good in 2023. Like the two things are not necessarily the same. And then on the other side, I think what you are seeing is CJ Stroud is still putting up some really nice numbers. Still, still no interceptions. It's the longest streak for a like 
quarterback beginning his starting career without throwing an INT. And I mean, he looks decent. If they could put some better talent around him, I think, you know, talk about teams that you don't want to play for that might want to play for the Texans might be a playoff contending team this year. <laughs> All right. Let me put, let me put the question for you. Stroud versus Purdy. Who do you think is better? Oh, Purdy. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Stroud has two wins. <laughs> no, I know, but it's not about wins, right? It's just, you might, you, again, you could be, oh, I think Stroud is more talented than Purdy. I mean, he might, he might be more talented, but that doesn't mean he's the better quarterback. I mean, I think the thing, I, I agree with you. <laughs> How much are we going to fucking talk about Brock Purdy? The thing, the thing that I agree with you the most on, there is a lack of importance put on how well a quarterback can go through his reads and his progressions and understand where a throw needs to be in that split second. Like I, I, I think people get lost in arm talent and, and things and running abilities and stuff like that. And they don't realize that what makes Tom Brady, the best quarterback is when he stepped up to the line, he already knew in his head what the hell was going to happen before that snap took place. And the same with Peyton Manning, like Peyton Manning had a great arm. Yes. But like talent wise, I bet you Patrick Mahomes has him beat in almost every attribute, but Peyton Manning could get to a line and he would know what his offense and what that defense was doing. And he already had it worked in his head and could go through those progressions so quickly. And I think Brock Purdy is really good at that. Yeah. And and just look at sports fans or analysts or whatever. Sometimes like there's a real skill in doing simple things efficiently and making things look simple. And sometimes we don't appreciate that enough. You know, people want like, you want the guy like scrambling around in the backfield and then having to chuck the ball 60 yards, but it's like fundamentally something went wrong that led to all of that having to happen. And maybe we give too much credit to the ability to get out of a mistake you've made versus not making a mistake in the first place. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think again, it's too early for the CJ Stroud part, but I think if you're doing Bryce young versus CJ Stroud, from what I've watched in both of them, Stroud seems to go through his progressions really well, whereas Bryce Young has had a few plays where he's like staring at the receiver before the ball's even snapped. Like he's just staring at him, waiting for the snap, and then is like he knows he's going there, you know. And, and I think you can you can see it, and in, in rookies you can definitely see it. But you know, you hope as they progress in their career they get better. But that looks like what Brock Purdy that he has that talent. Yeah, I'm worried for Bryce Young. I mean, now that we've shut the door on uh, this week's NFL, any other topics you have? I, I say, I'll say one thing. The Cricket World Cup we really haven't talked too much about. Um, it's a little unfortunate that it's taking place in India because I don't have many opportunities to watch. But I do enjoy waking up and getting to see like the last – 20 over chase of any team that's going on. And that seems to consistently be what's happening. So today I woke up and got to see India need, I think it was 40 from 240 balls. Yeah. yeah they haven't been any, the Sri Lanka Pakistan match had a really close finish. Yeah. But aside from that, it's been, the quality has not been great. Yeah. And it's a disappointing been, 
England lost in that first one against New Zealand. That should have been a better match, and it wasn't. Yeah, the tough thing with the format of the Cricket World Cup, though, is super forgiving to the good teams. Like, you can lose multiple matches in the group stages and still make it through. So, yeah. And, I mean, there's big criticism, obviously, also of the way India has handled, the, uh, the BCI has handled uh, ticket sales. Like, there's not great attendances at the matches so far either. So there's not. Great oh, you think we can get a so. ticket and go still? Well, well we could definitely available? get tickets. Okay. If you, can, if, if you want to go to India, we can definitely get tickets. There's about 30,000 spare tickets for most matches. So I think we'd be okay. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's a little bit of a shame to tune into such an elite sporting event and see mostly empty stadiums. So, you know, that's always a little bit. It, it also then just removes some of the, you kind of don't feel like you're watching anything special. But India look, definitely the team to beat. I mean, they're their favorites. They're on home soil. They're one of the best teams in the world anyway. It's, I think there was, a, again, talking about overreactions, I do think people have seen that England's loss to New Zealand and decided that maybe England aren't really in with, I think they've dropped to sort of fourth favorites, fifth favorites all of a sudden, just yeah, on the back of that result. Yeah. I mean, they, they still have the, they have the talent to beat anyone. India are probably the most consistent team and this conditions suit them. So you, you make India strong favorites, but yeah, it's a, it's nice. It's nice to have, again, we always speak about it, right? It's like every day you're guaranteed to have sort of a nice quality sporting event. So it's good. Yeah, unless you live where I live and every match starts at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> Just got to get up early. But just as maybe one final note, I did when I got home yesterday from that long night out, I did watch the end of the Colorado. Well, I watched the entire second half of the Colorado Stanford game. <laughs> of a game that, that you probably normally wouldn't have zero interest in watching Colorado Buffaloes versus the Stanford Cardinal in football. <laughs> oh, I hate watched it. And I loved every moment of it as just watching Deion Sanders as they blew that lead. Well, no, no, no. Who's – oh, you mean – oh, Coach Prime. Oh, you mean Coach Prime. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't use his official name. Yeah. It is brutally annoying that the announcers also call him Coach Prime. It, it drives me insane. Yeah. But yeah, obviously 29-0 up at halftime. Ended up losing 46-43 in overtime. Could have lost in... Double overtime. Double overtime. Could have lost in regulation. I mean, the Stanford drove down the field and kicked the game-tying field goal, but could have, weren't not that far. With a little bit more time on the clock, would have been in a position, obviously, to win the game outright. It's just a catastrophic loss. And I just hope... We won't... We'll keep hearing about Colorado, but there's no reason why we need to be paying that much attention to them. No. And they still have like five tough games left. At this point, they're they should be fighting for five hundred. That should be the goal. If they even get that, I did see there was a great. Uh, uh, I think ESPN had something on Instagram where it was like, uh, Dion, uh, Coach Prime brings out all the celebs for the game, and it was like Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, I forget. It was like. Uh, one or two other, like, one was like an actor, and then maybe like a musician or a rapper, and then the last one was Andrew Luck. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure Andrew Luck's not there. I'm pretty sure he's there because he went to Stanford, maybe? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, 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 no. He's just a huge co-pro. Coach, maybe, does does Andrew Luck have any eligibility left? Maybe he's, he'll sign up to play for Colorado. <laughs> maybe. 
it is, he was trending on Twitter, Andrew Luck. It is, he's kind of evolved into Bigfoot at this point. Like the Andrew Luck sightings are so few and far between <laughs> that as soon as he's seen somewhere, it's like a huge, like, where has Andrew Luck been for the last two years since we last saw him? Where in the world is Andrew Luck? And he's just literally sitting at home. <laughs> yeah, just living a really nice life. As yeah. a Probably got a nice house. Travel that says he just likes traveling the world. Yep. I bet you he's got a nice like uh, infinity pool, the one that like looks out with the false edge. I bet you he's got one of those. He just sits in there and hangs out. I don't know. With his drool control, I don't know if he's a guy who can really, <laughs> really go into pools. That might be too risky for him. All right. I guess with the comment on uh, Andrew Luck's drool, we can call it a day. Yeah, fitting way to end. All right. Thank you. See you. Cheers.